0: Chapter 3 of Why We Love Lincoln. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Why We Love Lincoln by James Creelman. Chapter 3 Even at the age of ten years, the frontier lad was a hard worker. When he was not wielding the axe in the forest, he was driving the horses, threshing, plowing, assisting his father as a carpenter. He also hired out to the neighbors as a plowboy, hostler, water-carrier, baby-minder, or doer of odd chores at twenty-five cents a day. He suddenly began to grow tall, and there was no stronger youth in the community than the lank, loose-limbed boy in deerskins, lindsey-woolsey, and cool Skin cap who could make an axe bite so deep into a tree. His stepmother sent him to school again for several months. In 1826, too, he walked nine miles a day to attend a log-school house. He had new companions at home now—a stepbrother, two stepsisters, and his cousins, John and Denise Hanks. As young Lincoln grew taller, his skill and strength as a woodchopper and rail-splitter, and his willingness to do any kind of work, however drudging or menial, in spite of a natural meditative indolence, made him widely known. His kindly, helpful disposition and simple honesty gave him a distinct popularity and he was much sought after as a companion, notwithstanding his ungainly figure and rough ways. But it was his extraordinary thirst for knowledge, his effort to raise himself out of the depths of ignorance that showed the inner power struggling against adverse surroundings. He grew to a height of six feet and four inches by the time he was seventeen years old. His legs and arms were long, his hands and feet big, and his skin was dry and yellow his face was gaunt and his melancholy gray eyes were sunk in cavernous sockets above his prominent cheekbones a girl's schoolmate has described him his shoes when he had any were low he wore buckskin breeches linsey woolsey shirt and a cap made of the skin of a squirrel or coon his breeches were baggy and lacked by several inches meeting the tops of his shoes thereby exposing his shin bone sharp blue and narrow this is the real abraham lincoln who read and read and read, whose constant spells of brooding abstraction, eyes fixed, dreaming face, gave him a reputation for laziness among some of his shallow fellows, who would crouch down in the forest or sit on a fence-rail for hours to study a book, who would lie on his stomach at night in front of the fireplace and, having no paper or slate, would write and cipher with charcoal on the wooden shovel on boards and the hewn sides of logs, shaving them clean when he wanted to write again here is his cousin's picture of him at the age of fourteen when abe and i returned to the house from work he would go to the cupboard snatch a piece of cornbread sit down take a book cock his legs up as high as his head and read we grubbed plowed mowed and worked together barefooted in the field whenever abe had a chance in the field while at work or at the house he would stop and read his principal books were arithmetic the bible aesop's fables robinson crusoe weems life of washington the pilgrim's progress and a history of the united states he became the best speller and penman in his neighborhood yet there was a vein of waggery in him which occasionally found a vent in such written verse as this abraham lincoln his hand and pen he will be good but god knows when all this has been told of him many times and in many ways Yet the nation he saved loves to dwell on the picture of the tall, tanned, awkward woodchopper and farm drudge, gawky, angular, iron-muscled with bare feet or moccasins, deer-high breeches and coonskin cap battling out in the forest against his own ignorance, and by sheer force of willpower conquering knowledge and commanding destiny. Not a whimper against fate, not a word against youths more successful than himself, no complaint of the hard work and coarse food, simply the strivings of a soul not yet conscious of its own greatness, but already superior to its squalid environments. It is probable that there is not a youth in all America today, however poor, ignorant, and forlorn, that has not a better chance to rise in life than Abraham Lincoln had when he started to climb the ladder of light by courage and persistent application. He attended spelling matches, log rollings, and horse races. He wrote vulgar and sometimes silly verse. He outraged the farmers who employed him by delivering comic addresses and buffoonery in the form of sermons from tree stumps to the snickering field-hands. Sometimes he thrashed a bully. His strength was tremendous. No man in the country could withstand him. It is said that he once lifted half a ton. Yet his temper was cool, his heart gentle and generous, and back of his sing songry, roll sprawling youth, with its swinging axe blows, forest prowlings, and coarse humor, there is a gravity dignity, sanity, fairness, generosity, and deep, straight-out eloquence that made him a power in that small community. Think of a young man of six feet and four inches in coonskin and deer hide, who could sink an axe deeper into a tree than any pioneer in that heroic region, and who yet had perseverance enough in his cabin home to read the revised statutes of Indiana, until he could almost repeat them by heart he became a leader and could gather an audience by merely mounting a stump and waving his hands nor was that all he frequently stopped brawls and acted as umpire between disputants another side of his nature was displayed when he found the neighborhood drunkard freezing by the roadside carried him in his arms to the tavern and worked over him for hours when lincoln's sister sarah married aaron grigsby in eighteen twenty six the seventeen-year-old giant composed a song and sang it at the wedding here are the concluding verses The woman was not taken, from Adam's feet we see, so he must not abuse her, the meaning seems to be. The woman was not taken, from Adam's head we know, to show she must not rule him, tis evidently so. The woman she was taken, from under Adam's arm, so she must be protected, from injuries and harm. Yet that dry volume of the revised statutes of Indiana, through which the word-chopper worked so bravely, contained the Declaration of Independence. The Constitution of the United States, and the Ordinance of 1787, and he bound them on his heart like a seal and wore them till the hour of his cruel death. As time went on, Lincoln developed into a popular storyteller and oracle at Jones's grocery store in the nearby village of Gentryville. His oratory grew at the expense of his farm work. He went to all the trials in the local courts and trudged fifteen miles to Boonville for the sake of hearing a lawsuit tried between times he wrote an essay on the american government and another on temperance he made speeches he gossiped he argued public questions he cracked jokes he made everybody his friend sometimes he worked already he was an american politician although he did not know it it is hard to realize even later in his career and with all his mighty strength and courage the man who preserved government of the people for the people and by the people to the world could earn only thirty-seven cents a day and that he had to split 400 rails for every yard of brown jeans dyed with white walnut bark that would be necessary to make him a pair of trousers. When he was President of the United States, he told Secretary Seward the story of how he had once taken two men and their trunks to a river streamer in a flatboat built by his own hands and got a dollar for it. In these days, it seems like a trifle to me, he added, but it was a most important incident in my life. I could scarcely credit that I, the poor boy, had earned a dollar in less than a day, that by honest work I had earned a dollar. In 1828, Mr. Gentry of Gentryville loaded a flatboat with produce, put his son in charge of it, and hired Lincoln for eight dollars a month and board to work the bow and oars and take it to New Orleans. Near Baton Rouge, the young men tied the boat up at night and were asleep in a cabin when they were awakened to find a gang of Negroes attempting to plunder the cargo. With a club, Lincoln knocked several of the marauders into the river and chased the rest for some distance, returning bloody but victorious. The boat was then hurriedly cut loose, and they floated on all night. That voyage was Lincoln's first brief glimpse of the great world. Till then he had never seen a large city. In New Orleans he was yet to see human beings bought and sold, and hear the groans that were afterwards answered by the thunders of the Civil War. End of chapter 3